The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Tom Cole is my special guest. As well as answering your gardening questions on all things from snails, tomatoes and daisies, we'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's start then with this week's plant of the week, which is actually Iris pseudochorus. Now, what is that? Well, actually, it's one of the flag iris, but it's the one that you might see in rivers, lakes and ponds because it's the yellow flag iris. It's uh, a native to the UK. It's also um, native to Europe, Western Asia and even Northwest Africa. Um, it's very high in nectar for bees, so it's a good plant to have. However, it has an interesting sort of life in a way. It spreads by rhizomes and seed into water. So, in theory, it's a water plant. But it's actually very tolerant of dry conditions. And I can tell you that because I know where there's some in a pond. It's in a garden we maintain. They're all out at the moment. They look absolutely fantastic. And yes, they've been in water all winter. We cut off all the deadheads, but they have spread and spread and spread in this garden. However, a couple of years ago, when the lake dried out completely, they sat there in bone-dry conditions... And up they come again with their glorious yellow flowers. It's also, in some parts of the country, it's treated as an invasive water plant in some of the rivers and lakes. Um, However, in others, it's sold quite freely in garden centres for gardens. It's a great plant if you've got a damp spot, a bog garden, or you just want to bring a bit of colour into your garden. But it must be a dampish spot. Can't be left totally in dry conditions. That's... uh, the uh, iris pseudochorus it's the yellow flag iris try it it's a great one and next week i'm going to be looking at the flag iris which is iris germanica and we'll be looking at how they have developed over the years they are plant of the week flag iris ken crowther this is bbc essex Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Tom and I will bring you some top tips on things you could be doing in the garden this week, but let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Alison from Great Totem. Hello, Ken. How are you? I'm fine. Um, Yes, I bought uh, two, they're called Rebecca clematis, red ones that flower permanently through the summer. And something keeps eating them, and I put slug, you know, um, slug pellets around stuff, it, but yeah. it doesn't seem to do any good. I wondered if you knew what it was. Oh, what do you reckon, Tom? I mean, slug is a common thing with clematis, isn't it? Well, it is, and you would, but you'd see some trails trail marks normally, somewhere. wouldn't you? 
and the leaf sort of, uh, it's only with a slug, it sort of strips off whole sections of the leaf. Right. Um, and the worst case scenario, it, you're waiting for those buds to emerge and all of a sudden There's nothing half there. the bud's gone. Uh, and if it's got a sort of almost like a sheen to the edge of it, that's definitely slug or snail. So has it got that or not? Well, it's even the flowers are being eaten. There's little holes, small holes around oh, it. I wouldn't say it's stripping a whole leaf. That's more like a caterpillar, isn't it? Well, you... Irregular holes or very, very tiny holes? Quite small holes. Oh, no, oh, that's not caterpillar. You might have... Um, a thr- what flea beetles around? But I've not really seen that much on a caterpillar. That it's not a caterpillar. No, even, on a, even on, on the plant, cl- on a clematis, even. Might <laughs> <laughs> be on a caterpillar. I don't know. Um, but the, sometimes that does create some tiny little holes on leaves. Right. Sometimes I've seen on the flower. There's a capsid bug that does a that similar do, thing. That, that, that actually holes, takes holes out of leaves, and they're around at the moment. Right. And if it's when the flower is open, if you get to the stage where your flower is open and the centre is going, that's more earwig. Oh, right. Okay. So there are a combination of things. Aphid, you'd know if you'd had aphid on that plant yes, because you got, yes. you'll have a slight stickiness as well. Yes. Um, and I know there's a lot of those around, but I think it's probably something like a, a capsid bug or something like uh, a flea beetle. Bug Clear Ultra. You, you could what, use what that. What do I treat it with? Bug Clear Ultra would work. Bug Clear Ultra, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But be careful because clematis don't like being sprayed in the sun. So oh, watch right. for okay. sunny weather. Do it, do it in the evenings. Okay. Also, it's safer for pollinating insects if you do spraying in the evenings. Right, okay? lovely. Yeah. Just say a quick hello to Laura. Okay, yep. <laughs> Who are you then? <laughs> Hang on. A, oh, I'm you're Alison in Malden. Are you yeah. Alison in Malden? Yes. Oh, hello, Alison. I was going to greet you, Alison, because I knew you were a regular listener. Apparently, you're obsessed with the show. Is that right? And there you are, ringing me up. I always listen to you. Good girl. That's what we want to hear. <laughs> yeah, and she's she's next door listening. So they Is are. She? Yep. Oh, bless her. Thanks very much, Alison. Thank Thanks you for very your call. Much, now she's first up, our Alison. Oh, dearie, dearie, dearie. Uh, let's go to Julia in West Mersey. We're all on the coast today, aren't we? Great Totten, West Mersey. All we got, yeah. How's, how's West Mersey anyway, yes, Julia? it's a bit cloudy actually, but yeah. not too bad, thank you. <laughs> Good. Now, what have you? You've got tomato plants that are doing something. Well, we bought. We've got five that we've grown from seed, mm-hmm. and three from a garden centre. Yeah. The five from seed are about a foot tall, and two of them, on the um, head of the plant, have got sort of a yellow burst of colour. Uh, that's the only way I can describe the yellow. Um, just in the centre, uh, um, on the head of the, the plant. And we just wondered whether we should take them out in case there's something that's going to infect the others. Now, are you telling us that the tip, the tip of the plant, the growing tip, is yes. going yellow and the leaf each side of it sort of thing? That's it, yes. And it's sort of a... It's not... Um, it's it's a funny sort of yellow. It's like a yellow burst yellow. It's not a yellow that's as though it's going mouldy. Yeah, because water. No, I know what you're describing. What you're saying mm. is it isn't the yellow that you get if it was overwatered or one of those yellows. That's it's, right. It, yeah, that's an unusual one, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, because I think <clears throat> tomato, I, tomatoes suffer quite quite a few physiological problems, so not pest or disease related. That doesn't particularly sound like it, does it? Well, no, it it could be because if it's yellowing at the tip, there's a couple of things actually it could be. One is erratic temperatures. 
And which we, and we we've have had, had. We've had very cold nights. But you'd expect to see a little bit of discoloration yep. on the lower leaves as well. Uh, sometimes you get the leaf twists and rolls up on itself because of erratic yep. temperatures as well. Sometimes it droops down because it's erratic temperatures. But not, it's not always that sort of pronounced yellow at the tip. It could be disorder related. So that's a lack of nutrition. Are, how, are, you, all, are you feeding them now? Um, no, we, we haven't yet because um, ah. we're going to feed them Tom all right. But it says when the yeah, I know. Um, flowers but come When up. the flowers start emerging. Except yeah. your yeah. plant is a foot high. That's quite a, a, a good sized plant, isn't it? Tom. Yeah. I'd, probably, I'd, probably I'd give it a general feed or even Tom Wright. Yeah, I'd actually give it feed now. I wouldn't right. get rid of it. I don't think no. it's um, a disorder that I would worry about. Is it you, Tom? No. Give it a good feed. And, yeah. and Ju- Julia, can you come back to us and let us know how it reacts in, say, a couple of weeks? Yes, we'll do. The ones that we got from the garden centre yep. have already got flowers and they're, they're doing fine. So it's just these two of the five that have yep. got this, this, this thing... Give, yeah. it, give it a go. Start feeding them and see what happens to them. Yeah? OK, Ken. Thank you very much. It'd be good to hear from Julia again because we like feedback. 0800 111 That's 0800 111 Or you can get us a message straight to the studio on 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. Found a moth in our garden. Haven't you, Lynn, from I Whitford? Think so. <laughs> now, hang on. Is it the moth you found or the caterpillar? No, it's a moth. It, the leaves, uh, the, the wings look like burnt brown leaves. The body is about, oh, I don't know, or it was, I've just got a picture of it here, um, was about two and a half inches long and it looked like it had horns on it. I wonder what that is then, Tom. I've got no idea. <laughs> got any ideas? That sounds big. That's bigger than I've thought of. I mean, I thought they were describing um, the the hawk, you know, the caterpillar. No, this is the whatever it is. That's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, I tell you what, though. I mean, we'll have a think about that one, Lynn. We're yep. not necessarily moth and caterpillar experts, but what we can do is there will be someone listening that will be better at moths and caterpillars than anything else. So, in fact, um, it might work. Yeah? If someone comes in with an answer for us, Lynn. Okay. You got any ideas, I'm, Tom? I'm sticking out that it might be the hawk moth. Well, I, I, I started saying hawk moth, didn't I? But the caterpillar's huge, isn't it? And that has horns on it, hasn't it? It's got, like, <clears throat> literally a, a head on it that's got a horn, hasn't it? But the, but the, the wings do look like old sort of uh, leaves. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's quite a large thing. Um, I think you're probably more looking towards a hawk moth. So okay. if anyone else would like to confirm that... For Lynn, we'd like to hear from them. Um, are you you looking after it, or are you worried oh, no, about? No, no, it um, it went. I just took photos of it because I've never seen anything like it before. No, they are fantastic, aren't they? Lovely. Okay. See what see what anyone else comes up with. How about that, Lynn? We'll get All them to right, call. That's great. We'll get them to call in on oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one, and we go to Keith in Rochford. You're having a bit of trouble in your garden, Keith. Yes, Ken. Um... I'm being devastated by snails, big plague of snails. I've got little ones, big ones. And some as big as your head, I know. Absolutely (laughs) everywhere. They've eaten my spinach. Uh, They climb 
I just don't know how to control it. Is, it is, I, I must agree, I, I did a garden, a bit of garden clearing this week and I couldn't believe in the undergrowth and pulling the weed out how many snails I was putting into the garbage bag at the same time. Um, absolutely incredible. Um, so, yes, snow, great year for snails. How do we stop them, Tom? How would you stop them? <laughs> well, a combination of things, really. Stop. Chuck them next door. Well, I couldn't possibly do that. But I think where you've got maybe excessive ivy and things like that, and that's a lovely home for them, is to, you know, remove as much as you can, I think, uh, to keep the base of the plants clean and clear. Um, you could try, and they're quite effective, I think. The beer traps are pretty good. As long as you use fresh beer every day, every day you that's will be going a, out there and collecting yes, it. Yes, oh, I know. <laughs> Good excuse for it's you got to be talk. fresh beer, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, I actually saw a couple of things on the, on, the, on the market recently where they're a little bit like those triangular tea bags you can sometimes get. Yeah. Well, it was a plastic triangular shape with holes in the top. You pour the beer into it. I saw some time-lapse photography where overnight these slugs came in from everywhere. They get into the bag and that's it. They drown. But you have to clear it every what single day. Life. So picking off, picking off as much as we may not like to do it or have the time to do it is quite effective. Copper bands work quite well. Yeah, they're not too bad. And also, I think, depending on how well, you sound we've got a lot, it might be a bit expensive to do more biological control, but it's worth thinking about. They use a little nematode, an eelworm, that it's now and can enter the slug and the snail. That does work quite off. well, Keith. It does. Right. Have you tried those <clears throat> at all? No, I haven't. Um, and well, I was so using, I'm using pellets at the moment. Yeah, now, the thing about pellets is I hope that you're... I mean, I, I won't go into detail of too much about pellet, but pellet is a bait. It is not... It's not something you spread the snails with. Are you spacing them out? You're not just throwing them down, are you? I'm throwing them down along the rows of plants at the moment. But thinly? Yes, thinly. That's all right, because so many people think that, oh, if you put heaps of them, they work better. No, they don't work better no. if you heap them. So no, they are tractants, no. aren't they? Um, <laughs> if anybody else has got any super, super ways of stopping snails, Keith, well, perhaps they can give us a call as well. I've also seen on some ornamentals putting coarse grits, yep. uh, eggshells, anything sharp around the base of the plant where it's practical to do that. But you do need to top those up because over time they get soft. And so the slug and snail finds it very easy to travel across them again. I so, went out last night um, with a torch and they were I was picking them up off the lawn, um, off the garden, everywhere. Nice, moist, humid weather for them. <laughs> we'll blame the weather. <laughs> and actually, just a, just a point that, in fact, Tim pointed out, and although I made jokes about throwing them next door, um, a, a snail and slug... They, I think it was Jeff used to quote that they can travel a mile or something. They have a homing instinct on where they began. Mm. And so throwing them next door, if they can get under the fence, they will actually come back to where they were. Is that right, Tom? That's true. And also one other thing, I would say loosen up the soil on a regular basis. Yep. That exposes right. any egg okay. and everything else. And that actually creates a dryness on the surface, which means it's difficult for them to move around. Keith, thank you very much for your call. Okay. I hope we've given you a few ideas on how to get yeah. rid of them. Okay? okay, thank you. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Now, Tom... What's your first tip? 
I popped the hanging baskets out, Ken. I would They're too. all out. I've been buying some that are already made because really? I'm lazy sometimes. I was going to say, it's not like you, is it, Tom? No, well, it's just been manic, manic this year. So I've actually gone to a really good nursery and uh, they've done that for me. It's lovely. But I've also made up a few others so that, and put them out because now it's less likely, less likely, we're going to get a frost. But I have fleece at hand. In case. And I have a space inside just in case something horrible happens. But I've been trying with lots of different types of uh, geraniums this year. Not your, your commoner garden zonal geraniums. Everyone's got those. But actually a basket with loads of scented type geraniums in. Oh, right, that's different. So lemon, lime, uh, the, the sort of Tom and Toes one, which is a very downy one. And they will cope with me not being there all the time. Because they <laughs> like drought. Or you forget to water them. Or I might forget to water them, yes. So <laughs> I've gone for these rattan type baskets this year. So I'm not planting down the sides. I'm planting all at the top. It hangs over and makes a good show anyway, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's one thing. And also, it's worth experimenting with things like herbs in those baskets as tomatoes. well. Tomatoes. Well, tomatoes for but you could also try mint. And we always worry about mint taking over yeah, the garden. That's a good idea. Great in a pot, like a hanging basket. Because mm. they creep along the ground, but in a basket, they trail down. Works well. Mm. What's your second tip for the Well, day? of course, with the baskets and all the flour that we've got in there, we've got a dead head. You so have indeed. I've been deadheading other containers, uh, and I've been taking off the flour... The flower stalk itself. That's the important bit. Yeah. So you don't got those odd little spikes that just eventually die off. Um, so I've, I've done that. And so that keeps the plant really well compacted and triggers new flowers. Uh, so if you've got something like the tagetes that will be, have just gone out, it won't be long before you're plucking those uh, flowers off and you'll get bushing out, more growth, more flowers, which will take you all the way through the season as long as you keep on doing it. And feeding. And feeding always at the same time, yes. Something high in potash. Thank you, Tom. We'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Go straight back to the phones and straight up, Tom, Lynn has come back with some snail removal ideas. Excellent. Haven't you, Lynn? Lynn, what's up? Hello. What have you got? Um, right. Well, I belong to a Facebook gardening group. There's yep. 41,000 members and this was a problem, snails. And some of the ideas work. Um, one was Jay's fluid on used tea bags. Right. Dot them around your pots or around your garden. The other one was salt along the bottom of fences and brick walls yeah. um, to stop them coming in, because my gardens I've got no grass or anything. So, um, And the other one was this copper tape. Copper tape, I mentioned, it does that really does work, because that's it very friendly. It, and you can get it in the pound shop now for a pound a roll. There you go. There Whoa, you go. adverts as well here yeah, now. <laughs> the Jay's fluid has worked in my garden, though. Right. Uh, we have to we have to be very careful. BBC <clears throat> Essex and Garden Advice, uh, we can only give garden advice that is legal. Now, if you look on a Jay's fluid, it doesn't give you any ideas on what you should be doing with that. It is purely a cleaner, a drain cleaner. Much as Lynn has given other people some ideas, we couldn't possibly recommend it, could we, Tom? That's true. Because... It doesn't say it on the side of the it packet. It doesn't say it on the side of the packet, therefore we cannot recommend it because it hasn't been passed by the Ministry as a preventive for snails and slugs. Right? 
Absolutely. We have to follow the rules. Sorry. But thank you, Lynn. Appreciate your call. And anybody else that's got any great ideas, give us a call. Just like Lynn. 0800 111 Texas 81333. Um, which we will talk about in just a moment. Neville from Rain. Hello, Neville. Hello, Ken. Hello, What you got? Uh, well, we bought a Everlasting Sweet Pea from a, a well-known garden mm-hmm. centre about two years ago. Yeah. Um, it grew okay, you know, just green growth. Um, didn't flower last year. So this year we renewed the, the compost. And, and uh, it's, it's growing okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's green, good, new green growth coming on the end of the, of the, you know, the plant itself. I'm just worried if it's going to go the same way and it's not going to flower again this year. But What? You put new compost in. You haven't fed it at all, have you? Um, no, not yet, no. 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 no, I was worried that you're feeding... <laughs> See, what I'm worried about, if it produces lots of green, it's usually yeah. being overfed, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> it's, too... it's quite a good sign they've got lots of nitrogen. It's got in lot, there, too really. much nitrogen and not enough uh, potash, isn't and, it? And the fact it's got lots of green leaf means it's g- generally healthy. It does. Yeah. Um, and the pot, it, it's in a pot you've got it. It, 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 it was... I, I planted it out from the obviously oh. the pot that, that came in from the, the garden centre. I put it in a, in a like a a bigger uh, stone pot. Oh, so it's still in the, the container, yeah? Yeah, it's in a container. Yes, yeah. not not actually in the garden. And used the multi-purpose compost? Yeah, yes, yeah, I used the well-known. Yeah, that's uh, all right. Um, I I just give it a good load of tomato food. Right. Uh, you, yeah, a good liquid feed is like one of the quickest ways of getting that nutrient into the plant. I right. just uh, a bit worried because. The everlasting sort of pea is can be quite a demanding plant. It needs a bit yeah. of space and it needs to get its roots down. Is it a biggish pot? <clears throat> yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What sort of size? Couple of uh, foot? Couple of foot across? No, not as big as that. No. No. Um, right. Okay. We might not have. It might not, as Tom said, might not have <clears throat> enough room. Yeah. So the, right. fa- the fact it's got green growth now is fine. Watch it through the season. If you find the growth becomes a little less and you're, you're finding the soil is also drying out a bit more, I think the pot's big enough. Also, I would probably use a more soil-based compost because it retains its moisture. But definitely do some feeding. You're not going to go anywhere wrong with that. But don't re- repot now with a John Innes. No, no, no. no use no. a John Innes, John Innes next time you want to do, pot it yeah, on. Do your repotting in the dormant season. And we go now to Westcliff uh, and talk to Victoria. Hello, Victoria. Where's Victoria? Hello there. Hello there. You've got the radio on still, have you? Oh, yes, I'll turn it off. Sorry. Yes. She's um, got... What plant have you got, then? Well, I've got a... a, a wait a minute, I've got to pronounce it. A, a da, diamantina. 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 And last year, it was a massive bloom. This year, there's not a sign of bloom... And the leaves are all dropping on the floor. Right. Is it an indoor plant or outdoor? Indoor. Diamantina. It's a famous famous Dutch that, plant that has years. been renamed yeah. Diamantina. Sorry. Um, Diamantina. With a big plant. It sounds like hibiscus, doesn't it, a bit? It could be. It could be. You One don't of the, give it any water in the what, winter. What size plant? Uh, what size flower? Big? Six inches? Uh, three inches? Red? Sounds red, sounds like one of the hibiscus. Hi- sounds like the indoor hibiscus with a big trumpet, big trumpet flower with a yellow centre. 
No yellow centre, but a trumpet type of flower. Trumpet type of flower. And has it got any, has it had any growth on it at all this year? No, no flowers, no sun. No, but the no. leaves are all green. Right. Are on we, it. Ah, well, I think they're, you're... They're all dropping on the floor. Right. Uh, are they going yellow and dropping on the floor or dropping on the floor green? No, dropping on the floor green. And are you keeping it moist and allowing it to dry out or not? No, because it doesn't need a lot of water. It says on there, in the winter, no water. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't feed many house plants through the winter period. But um, I, do you let it dry out completely before you water it or not? Well, it, yes. I hardly ever water it anyhow. It's never over watered because I hardly ever water it. <clears throat> Is it? Have you got it on a training set? It sounds like a climbing plant. Does, um, does it climb at all? No, it's in a pot in the corner of a conservatory. And what f- uh, uh, for the last red? Red flower, <clears throat> and red. Uh, and can you describe what you're expecting from those red flowers? Are they trumpet-like? Or are they yes, like a small trumpet? Right, diplodina. Oh, it's diplodema. So diplodina is actually eventually a climber. a climber. Does produce trumpet-like flowers. If if those leaves are dropping off, uh, it's erratic water and some changes in temperature that might be doing that. Which is the overnight temperature? Is it a heated conservatory or not? No, no, no. That's that's the problem. Night temperatures up until about now have been quite cool, um, and that will cause it to drop leaf. Um, let it dry out before you water it. They're hungry feeders, diplodemia, aren't they? And they you so you need to feed it. Oh, and I would well, I'd give it a tomato food to Tom- encourage growth. Yeah, tomato foods would be quite good. Yes, good, Tom- good, lots of potash in them. All right. And drop uh, And I think. Feed. Tomato feed, and I think you'll find that it will flower very soon for you, don't you, Tom? Absolutely. Oh, 800-111-4041. That's the number that people are calling us on, and there is a line free at this moment. And someone who has rung us from Mersey Island is Douglas. Douglas, we're talking slugs and snails again, aren't we? Yes. Hello? Tell us more. Oh, I've always used cloves of garlic, boil them up in a saucepan, Strain it off and spray all your plants. You can eat the lettuces and everything, but if you have every rain, re-spray them. Yeah. And I'll find it, it, I don't like that garlic spray or... I don't like too much garlic, but I know Tom loves oh, garlic. love it, yes. <laughs> but you can get products that have got that in. You can so buy can garlic underst- sprays, can't I can you? understand yeah, why that would work, yes. And it keeps your slugs <clears throat> and snails away as well, Douglas. Yeah, they don't smell that bad. See, you're in the fresh air. No, 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 no. It's just me personally about the garlic. It's not a oh. donut. No, uh, it, but it keeps your slugs and snails away, though, does it? Oh, well, it does for me. Well... You can spray all the plants and you can eat, like, lettuces and things. You can eat, eat the lettuce. You eat garlic anyway. You do indeed. So, Douglas, thank you very much for that tip. That's what this programme is about, letting other people know what is going on and around the county, giving heads up on some ideas. Uh, John from Brentwood, what do you got for us, John? Good morning, Ken. Um, Before I start, I've got a couple of questions. Before I start, my cure for snails would be uh, a chef's hat saucepan and go down the garden speaking <laughs> French. <laughs> yeah, you've got to have the right ones though, haven't you, John? But yeah, 
What's your question for us, John? Right, I've got two for you. Yep. I've got roses, yep. uh, big and large, uh, big and small, and the stems are strong enough to support the heads, big heads or little heads. Is that lack of feeding? I'm going to be interested. I think it's. I think. I, I think, think the breeders have actually <clears throat> bred these. A lot of the problems are Tom, isn't it? We bred roses today that have got very heavy heads, and in fact, the stems often aren't up to holding the molly. That to an extent, yes, but also with the weather conditions we've had, yep. the plants have put on so much growth that the stems aren't strong yeah. enough. So yesterday, I was tying in roses. These are the climbers and rambers where. Un typical of the year they've got twice as much stem length i have indeed and the weight of those buds actually is pulling the plant down and cracking some of them <clears throat> it is so if you've got something like a freestanding bush type rose they are splaying right out yeah. you might need to use the odd cane to just keep them upright this year hmm. and then be and just regularly deadhead as well where you possibly can i mean yeah. walk around every day and just <clears throat> do a bit of deadheading glass of red wine in your hand you know it's it's, a, it's an ideal thing to do in the evening john right the other one was amaryllis Yep. At the moment, of course, they're sort of dormant other than the leaves. How dry can you leave them, get, let them be? You could put it out in the garden and leave it and forget it, couldn't you? I think just um, be very careful that water doesn't collect. Oh, the, from collection point yeah. of view. But if it was an open <clears throat> pot, Tom, mm. you could leave it in the garden and just allow the rain to do its job and that's it, couldn't you? You you could do. I mean, they they do respond better to being allowed to dry out. Mm. I mean, I've left some... I've inadvertently left mine to dry out this last year by about two and a half months. And they're even months. better. I then started watering them before Christmas and just after. And there's brilliant blooms this year. Now I'm just cutting back on my water. I am feeding a little bit as well. And then just allowing the whole of that growth to naturally die down where it possibly can. Sometimes they don't die down. They are. Hope that helps, John. But I've just put them out for a bit of a summer holiday. Sue from Long Melford. Oh, over the border in Suffolk. Uh, hello, Sue. Uh, what can Good we do morning, for you? Ken. I have. Uh, um, Tynus, you're talking. Yes. Yes, um, I know. There's a mass of tiny black holes. Yes. It, um, they're all. Um, yeah. Ooh. Got it. So is, got... That, is that a beetle? Yes, you're dead right. It's oh, right. it's viburnum beetle. It's a major problem. It's yes. again, it's come from Asia, I believe. It's an Asian problem that's arrived. We've had right. it quite a few years now. Good number of years now. Yeah, uh, it <clears> is <throat> it is a major problem. We've got it. I know I visited a garden this uh, last week that has it, um, and it's quite difficult to get rid of, purely right. because the it's it's laying eggs and it lays up to three hundred eggs an adult, and it lays them into the leaf. And mm. then covers them with excreta, so actually you can't That's even right. get at the egg. So it's very difficult to get it. In theory, you take off the growth in the spr early spring and burn it. In theory, that way you get rid of some of the eggs, but you won't get rid of everything, will you? No, um, I mean, good hygiene is quite, is quite good, actually. So the pruning early is very good. It's raking away at the base of the plants. And then systemic insecticide? You can do. And I th but if it's really, really bad, I've seen some really bad ones, I'd I would, do, so I would do some more pruning. Now? Yep. And I'd also follow it with a systemic insecticide yeah. as well. <clears throat> what one would you recommend? Um, Bug Clear Ultra is one of the few that I'm afraid we've yeah. got left. Yeah. What, what was that one? Sorry. Bug Clear Ultra. It's the only one left that's uh, systemic. Right. Pretty well. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. I'll try that. Yeah, it is a nasty Real thing. Problem, isn't nasty it? thing to deal with, and we are getting more and more. We keep quoting Asia. Have you noticed? We keep quoting <clears throat> Asia. 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 
Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Tom have got some more tips for you. Well, Ken, it's been a very devastating week for me. Why is that? I went into the garden, I hadn't been there for about a week. And I wondered what all this webbing was on my box hedge. Oh, no, and you have Why were the leaves all stuck together and why were the leaves defoliating? Little did I know, I know now, that it's box tree caterpillar. Now, box tree caterpillar is a major problem in the UK, isn't it? It has been since the early 2000s. That's it right. was imported. It's yep. an Asian problem, uh, an Asian pest. And um, the biggest problem with it is it can absolutely decimate the plants. To, to the point th- of death, can't it? Yeah, to, this, to, to the point that you've got to take it out and use something else. It's not going to be uh, impacted by that particular bad pest. The really big problem is it can have three generations a year. It's a caterpillar at its peak uh, will be four centimetres long. It's green and white stripy. It's quite distinctive. And it munches down on all your leaves and at the same time puts webbing around it, then pupates and sticks all leaves together. So it's quite difficult to spray then if it's got all this webbing around it. Yeah, you've got to use a spray. If you are going to use a spray, you've got to make sure you've got good coverage. So not just one pass, you've got to put a couple of passes on really. And there's a very limited amount of chemical that you can use. There's pyrethrum based products. And also there is a, a neonicotinoid. Uh, which is a cetamaprid that you could use, which might be a little bit more effective. However, that might be a problem if you've got pollinators. Yeah. Um, but you've got things like pheromone traps. Yeah, uh, they work. Attract. They're supposed to work quite well. Um, and you've also got things like covers. You can put covers over. That's not always effective. Feeding to strengthen the plant. Very important. That would be quite good. But um, I'm hopeful. At the moment, I've so had some success, you, but I, I've got over 20 metres of oh, box edging. Yeah, not good <laughs> at all. <laughs> so watch out for it because it's around at the moment. Yeah. Now, talking of pests and diseases, um, deadheading roses is the first thing you should be doing. As soon as you see it, I take it down to, a, I don't know how many leaf axles you take down, but a couple of leaf axles yeah. down to encourage more growth so you get a second flush. But also watch out, watch out for that old black spot, aphids, and really use something like a rose clear or one of the proprietary rose sprays, because although it will not get rid of the spots that are on the rose leaf as it is. They will deteriorate and most likely drop off. Keep that nice and clean. Pick those up. It's really important that you pick those up. Um, and your new growth should come clean. Follow the directions on the on the package. Um, I know it says you can only spray about three times in the season. I usually increase that to four to five. Um, but it does work, and you do need to make a rose look good, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, it's a combination of controls, isn't it? So I'm glad you said picking. It's so (laughs) important. And you can also pick off those dead leaves. But they are deadhead, and watch for problems with your roses, including aphids. Keep listening to the podcast, as there's still more hints and tips to come. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. And we go straight to Norman from Kent. Hello, Norman. What do you yeah. use? What... Yeah. Oh. Hello there. Yeah. yeah. I'm Minster on the Irish Happy. And before I go into my bit, I must congratulate you on your programme. I just wish Radio Kent Gardening Programme was um, so involved as yours. Anyway. Um, Good. Thank you very much, Norman. 
slugs. Um, we use a product called Slug Gone, and it's made from sheep wool pellets. So it's not chemical. Oh, that's based, good. And it smells a bit like you, you've got a, um, a field full of sheep in your garden, but uh, it's quite effective. It's called Slug Gone. And they're, they're, they're on the market. You see them in garden centres, do you, oh, yes. Norman? I bought some yesterday, in actual fact, for right. my... Um, uh, no, it, well, I saw some in the shop yesterday, in actual fact. They come in a uh, packet, they're loose, they're pellets, um, grey-looking pellets, and they're made from sheep's wool. I wonder what they've got in them. They are effective. Right. Well, I tell you what, that's that's a lovely recommendation because it's something that's, you know, that's organic, as you quite rightly say, safe and good to use. Thank you very much, Norman, and thank you for your compliment as well. It's always appreciated. Um, okay. <laughs> it's better than being told you're rubbish, isn't it, Norman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you very much. That's Norman from Over the Border and Steve from Leon C. Hello, Steve. Good morning, Ken. How are you? We're fine. What do you got for us today? Daisies. In the lawn or? In the lawn. Yes, thousands of them. Cut the lawn in the daylight and there they are again. They're very pretty, aren't they? Lovely. Well, they get on your nerves (laughs) because your grass is supposed to be green, not white. (laughs) Well, I don't know. It's only a short period. Right, you need to use a liquid lawn weed killer. Liquid lawn weed killer, yeah. Yeah, be very careful. It is a liquid lawn weed killer, not just a weed killer. And. That will be selective. I think that will be much better than using a feed and weed for yep. something like Daisy, wouldn't you, Tom? Because <coughs> it is effective, much more effective, isn't it? It is. I don't think you'll be doing so many applications. And it is. it takes a while to yeah. be patient. have an impact because it will take around about a week to two weeks before you start seeing sometimes any, any change in growth. So you need to <coughs> mow, leave it a couple of days. If you read the bottle... Or the yep. packet, it will explain. But basically, you mow, you leave it to grow, so that the regrowth, which you've just talked about, yep. then you apply, but then you will have to wait before you mow again. Because if right. not, you'll be mowing <laughs> off the chemical that's in the leaf that will go down to the root to kill it. Yeah, true, yeah. All right? Right, and also, while I'm on the phone, um, liquid tomato feed, can you put that on any anything? Or just tomatoes? Well, you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what's in it. <clears throat> You've got the three key nutrients that you need, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. It's higher in potassium, so yeah. technically anything that's flowering or fruiting. It works well on. Don't, right. So but if you want something... Mm, root vegetables, no. no I more I'm, general purpose. No, general purpose. Something like a, a fish blood and bone or a grow more. Or, something like that. Uh, that would yeah, be better. You can get some liquineur, liquineur, uh, which a number of uh, suppliers, Maxicrop do it, I think, uh, and you just you just water it in. That's a bit more towards the the root end and the shoot end. And we go from Leon C over to Bishop Norford to Graham. Hello, Graham. Hello, Ken. Good good news again this week. Well, what's that then? I've been composting with a composter bin for about ten years now. Yeah. And I find it very successful. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, we don't hear anything about it on your program, but uh, I use a 220-litre com- compost converter, as they call it. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the problems that I know other people have had, they've, they've for an ordinary garden, they've bought a composter which is far too big. Yeah. And, and 
you know, all you need for it is a three-foot square area of soil onto which you plonk it, put the stuff in that, that you want to put in, um, and the, the worms will work on it and give you compost. I, w I was looking at some recommendations online, and I see people are talking about grass clippings going into a composter bin. I had a bad experience with that, with when somebody had cut their lawn and gave me this stuff. It created far too much heat, Ken. It does. And nearly killed off all my, all my worms. Yeah, you have to be very careful <clears throat> with the use of grass cuttings. And I, you're yes. quite right. If you tip grass cuttings up halfway up your bin, it's too, yeah, dense. It's too <clears throat> dense. It's too dense as well. If, yeah. you, if you haven't got vegetable matter, it's better to put in yeah. small bits of twig, weed, yeah. anything. Or, or really thin layers of grass. Because yeah. what with grass if it's too much you get anaerobic <laughs> respiration so yeah. anything yeah, we're, these oxygen we're, we're, suffers. we're coming now to deadheading and everything and you know all i wanted to say to people was if you're doing composting that goes in yes definitely um, also another an, another factor an interesting uh, thing is this that we use say eight um tea bags a day here in our house in a week that's 56 in a year that's 2900 that go into my composter bin Yep, and you know when when you when you're looking at things like that, you're taking them away from elsewhere, and they're working for you. Yep. If if you look at bananas, two a day, that's fourteen. That's what what's that? That's, I know. That's and a it, load a year. Apple and, peelings. And if you have a have a newspaper every day, you can scrunch that up, tear it up, and Shred put it, it in as well. Well, I choose to put mine in the brown bin, and it goes off. Yeah, but you can. What I'm saying is you can, and actually mixed paper with grass cuttings works better than grass cuttings. Does it? So, yes, helps. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with what I use. Um, as I say, it's, it's, it's very successful, but you've got to have patience with it. Yep. You know, and I, I reckon I, I get compost probably every six months. That's and I, I cleared it. I cleared it in in March. I've got another bin beside it that I put the stuff that that uh, that has been made into it, and and I shan't touch it again until October. Graham, so, Graham, I think you you have encouraged us all to get out there and go composting, don't you think, yeah. Graham? Yes, I. You know, I, I'm a great. You know, I'm a great uh, fan of it, and and I know it works, Ken. And <laughs> it's. Uh, I've only got a small forty foot garden, and it and it's ideal for what I do. Thank you very much, Graham, for your call, because there are more people should be composting. Chris, in Colchester, you're talking about vine weevil, which is another uh, problem that we uh, we suffer with. Chris, what have you been up to there? Oh, well, I uh, good morning, Ken. Great programme, and far too short this time of year. Far too short. Uh, I've got uh, six very large butler sinks that I often grow, well, I do grow uh, strawberry plants in. and. Yep. Uh, I was losing about a third with vine weevils nibbling off the roots and the plants just falling over. So I followed your advice of uh, deepening the soil, first of all, with slates all round the butler sinks to get the height up a bit more, and then topped the new plants I'd planted with uh, slate chips about inch, inch and a half deep yeah. on the top surface. And... Uh, that helped not only with uh, stopping vine weevils getting in, but it also means I have to water them about a third as third less than, or even half less than what, because it, it stops it drying out. And uh, then to uh, cap that as well, I started using the Nemesis uh, vine weevil nematodes. Yep. Yep. 
And uh, this year I've been on nighttime patrols and have not yet found a single beetle on the top of the foliage. Uh, so uh, compared to uh, last year and the year before, I You're was winning. picking them off with handfuls, yep. literally. No, so, I, yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty that, good. That is good to hear because, you know, we, we talk about it on here, but we don't always have someone come back to us and say, yes, I've done this, and it works. And you I'm, are, Chris. I've also uh, been losing a battle with Carrot Fly, and uh, they've got a new product out as well uh, on uh, Carrot Fly uh, nematodes, and I'm going to give that a try this year. Well, I'll tell you what, that helps. I was going to say, Chris, could you come back to us and let us know? That'll be really that useful. That will be very useful for people listening if, if you can yep. check that out for us, Chris. Can you do yep. that? I will do that, yes. Chris, okay. thank Thanks you very much program. for your call. That's Chris in Colchester. He's going to be a tester <laughs> for us, and that's what we want to hear here on BBC Essex. You're listening to. I'm Ken Crowther. Tom Cole's my guest today, and it is the gardening hour here every Saturday morning between 11 and 12. Ron from Wivenhoe. Ron, what do you Hello, what do you got? You all right, Ken? Yeah, what have we got, Ron? Right, lovely. Well, <clears throat> this is to do my neighbour, which we I help out now and again in the garden. But in her front garden, in the border, along the front window, that's full of what we think is grounder elder. Yeah, it's a, it's a devil to get rid of, because we always jokingly say you should move. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with you. Yeah. Well, we've dug it and dug it, you know, and she had a scratch around out there a couple of weeks ago, but that still keeps coming back. We think it's ground elder. Yep. Any killers you might know of? Um, right. <laughs> it's a combination of still digging out as much as you can. Yeah. Um, but I know how extensive that, that system is. And also or using things like gel-based products that have got glyphosate in. And, and, with, and with, a, with a gloved hand, using a non-absorbent absorbent glove, literally wipe that gel with your hand onto the leaves. You and scrunch you can, up the you leaves. Can buy, you can buy a gel for it, You can you? buy a gel for it. It's like all your good garden centres have got it. That seems to have some effective control, but it's one of those things you have to, you have to apply term. and you have to think about this as a long-term sort of solution. You will not oh. get rid of it <clears throat> in a year, Ron. No. Oh, right. Okay, then, because that... Uh, I don't want that really spreading over. I'm, I mean, I've got lots of pebbles in my garden to put my cars and stuff on, and but they do start to creep over a little bit. Yep. You know what I mean? If you follow what uh, Tom said, is dig out as much as you can and then use a gel, I think you'll find that you slowly will get rid of it. Is that right, Tom? Absolutely. Oh, eight hundred triple one forty forty one. We go to Keith in Haybridge. Keith, what you got on oh, your? Yeah. What you got? Uh, I've got a smelly bush somewhere. I work. Have you? Yeah, bush that smells, you know what I mean? It's going black. Ah, hang on. Is, right, is it the bush that smells? What colour's the bush? Is it a green bush or a yellow bush? Green, a greeny yellow bush. And is it flowering at the moment? No. Greeny yellow bush? See what I'm thinking, are you? Do you know? A uh, choice here, because it smells like cats, doesn't I it? I know. No, I know what that is. It's not a yeah, choice here. This one is an evergreen. But as the cell, it smells rotten. Well, choice is never evergreen. It's got. It's just finishing flowering. Has white no, flowers. No, it hasn't got. Flowers. Oh, it hasn't flowered. Right. No. Okay. Ah. Oh. What do you reckon? Stinks. <clears throat> How else? large is this plant? Well, the bush is about um, just over four and a half, five foot. It looks as if it's got some kind of uh, in, in, uh, infection on it. It's uh, it's viburnum. 
Is it a vibrant, vibrant? It smells it got, quite smell, strong, that And does. has it got gone blacky colour? Yeah. And got holes in it? Yeah. Viburnum beetle? It's Right, so the plant is Viburnum tinus. It's Viburnum the beetle. The problem is you've got the beetle on it. Cut it hard back, as Tom was saying somebody earlier. Cut it hard back, but don't keep those bits in your garden. Rake up debris from the bottom. Destroy it or get it out of your garden. And then use a good spray on the plant. Right. OK? Yeah, thank you. That's all right. And in just a moment, we'll be going to the travel. Before that, we had a email from John in Ashington. It's his daughter's plant. It's a hibiscus. Looks I've like a hibiscus, pictures. yes. Yep. Can't <clears> understand why the leaves on the right-hand side, away from the fence and towards the right, are a reasonable uh, decent colour, plenty of light green growth on the right, and on the left there is not much growth, and they're dark green. Hibiscus, it's been cut back quite hard, which is un- you know they don't always like, do they? Yeah, but- we've had this be- we've had this before mm. where someone sort of said, well, I, I cut them back hard and they come back all the time. Sometimes when you cut them hard, they don't respond particularly well. No. Uh, in fact, the one at the college, we do prune about a third to a half away when we can, or just thin it out. But now and again, you get the odd limb that doesn't do much. So don't worry. No, I think it, it, it is a quite a temperamental plant, really. What you can do to boost it is give a general purpose feed and either do that as a, a granular and just work it into the ground if you can. If you can't do that, a liquid feed so it gets into the plant. Hope that's answered your question. John from Ashington. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips Tom has for us this week. Well, one of my other ones is actually to look at hedge cutting. This is the time. We can do it. To get out there, it's all legal. It really actually is growing. I mean, this year. It's phenomenal growth. With that wet weather and warmth, it's really, really shot off, actually. So the the box I do have, which is lovely, uh, has put on a lot of growth. So I'm actually... um, Setting out a line, because it's very formal, setting out a line at a certain height all the way along using my battery-operated hedge trimmer, reciprocating blades, Mm -hmm. to create the perfect cut, pop the sides off and bring the top down by, well, I'm probably taking off, actually, a good four to eight inches of growth, 10 to 20 centimetres of growth. And um, that will actually hopefully open up and be give us some nice new growth. I'm going to feed it at the same time. So I tend to go for something that's a bit more iron-based. So I use I use on that particular plant the feed I use for acid lovers, so sequestered iron. Yep, that works well. And it really, really greens up. does, doesn't it? R- rich green. <clears throat> Absolutely. So this is a good time, actually. Good time for hedges. Yeah, and one little trick with boxes, lay something down when you're cutting, like a tarp or something. Because if you can't find them. <laughs> All the little bits. That's it. And they get collected. It's much easier to take off a gravel area. And funny you talk about hedges. We've just acquired um, a long-reach battery hedge trimmer. So, you know, we'll be be able to do some of those taller hedges as well. That's good because they do get to height, don't they? Yeah. And battery is the way forward, isn't it? Absolutely. 40 minutes or so. That's quite good. I don't Mm. don't think that's too bad. What's your second one then? Well, it's all, it's all about sort of cleanliness really this week. So it's also about making sure that uh, we look at the pests, we look at the diseases, but we also consider weeds. Uh, so they are also liking the situation at the moment. Oh, they're, they're a growing lot of like on. mad, aren't and, they? And annuals like chickweed, oh. uh, uh, annual meadow grass, 
things like Harry Bittercress, Shepherd's Purse are all coming out. They're lovely, Cleavers, aren't they? <laughs> cleavers everywhere. They're uh, Basically, just pull those out. Ideally, taking these out when they're not flowering, even the likes of chickweed, if you just cut the top off and leave it on the surface, those flowers still develop and the seeds still develop. That's right. So using hand uh, trowels or hose or something like that to actually decapitate your annuals, but making sure you dig out all those perennials you might have like. And they're looking good as well. And they're looking very, very good, actually. So things like dock and dandelion Thistles. and ground. Thistle, creeping thistle. Yep. Make sure you're digging down at least a foot, 30 centimetres, and taking those out. Those roots do go down deep. So... Plenty of things to be getting on with, Tom. Absolutely. Well, uh, I had the opportunity this week of having a bit of a preview, actually, of some gardens that are being opened. 16 of them, actually. I didn't get around 16, but I saw a couple of them. Uh, it's the Oldham Gardens Open Day. And that's on Sunday, the 10th of June. It's open from 11 till 5. And uh, there's an exhibition of the Delamart site in the church. Plant cakes, books. You can get coffee, light lunches in the village hall. It's all happening there. There's a free minibus to run you around the 16 gardens. But a couple of these gardens I know, and I've, I, I tell you what, they're so impressive. Programmes are £5, all, in, all in, you know, to help the village get its act together with the church and the village hall, etc. Um, under 16 children are free, and you can get these programmes from the church or the Village Hall, or any of those participating gardens. Now, Oldham. Where's Oldham? It is five miles west of Colchester on the A1124. And I'll tell you what, I'll give you the postcode, and you can listen back to the podcast. It's CO63RB. But if you want more details, here's a phone number, 01206 210963. Go and have a look. Oldham Open Gardens, Sunday the 10th of June. Now let's get straight back to your gardening questions. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Let's just quickly an email. Um, it's, can, can you help my daughter with this problem? She has sent me this picture. It's a tree that suddenly started going yellow um, and dropping its leaves. I don't know what sort of tree it is. It's a magnolia grandiflora. Which is an evergreen magnolia. Flowers they, in the summer. And drops its leaves at this time of the it year. It does. It's naturally. All evergreens do shed some of their leaves, actually all through the year. But at this time of the year, it does seem to drop quite a fair few. We have got a large one up against a residential block at Rittle University College. And at this time of the year, we've got quite a few leaves at the base. We just take those out. We don't actually necessarily feed it. But if you feel your plant is a bit on the drier side, just make sure there's plenty, there's moisture around the base. That doesn't mean going out and watering all the time. I would maybe water once, quite long, and then put a really good thick mulch around the base of the plant. OK, let's hope that helps, Cynthia. We did ask about the strawberries earlier on. And the strawberries, a couple of weeks ago, I phoned for advice on how to stop wood lice attacking my strawberries. I found a way to tackle it is to dispose of every wood louse I see as I'm picking. First day it was hundreds, but now a few picks later I only see half a dozen. Far greater proportion of the fruit is undamaged. Some websites suggest sprinkling diatomaceous, diatomaceous earth. I may try that too. I don't know that one, do you? Do you know that? But anyway, thank you for the strawberries. We have been sampling them, haven't we, Tom? They're really lovely. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous strawberries. <clears throat> but we better get back to the phones. So uh, back to the phones now to Maureen in Hockley. Hello, Maureen. Hello, good morning. Um, I have some pretty large pots on order. They're coming this week. 
And when I ordered them, because I intend having perennials in them, mostly roses, um, clematis and things like that, I've ordered rose and shrub compost to come and also John Innes number three, which I thought I'd all mix together. But my question is, is that enough or should I put other stuff with it? No, that sounds like a nice combination you got there. It does. Um, <clears throat> I think that would work. Really make sure it's mixed through thoroughly. Um, yeah. But that would certainly work. That's brilliant. Can I ask quickly? Yeah, question? go on, Maureen. Go for it. Yes. Right, I've got some really lovely winter pansies, which are still really lovely. Yep. And if if I cut them by half and cut all the flowers off in the next couple of weeks, will they regrow? <laughs> I, I, he's looking right. My answer is yes. And yeah. what I would do at the same time is get a bag of multi-purpose compost and yeah. brush it all round them and into the plant as well. And you'll find that that will hold them up a bit bit sturdier and they'll they'll actually root, some of the bits will root as well. And I think you'll get flour well into the summer. You will do, Love correct. It. Yeah. It will, in fact, could even run right through the summer. Yeah, you I'm could, hoping you... that because they are really beautiful and I don't want to pull them out. Well, no, no. if they're looking good. Keep them going. That's the way to do it. And we go to Maureen in Tiptree. Hello, Maureen. Oh, hello, Ken and Tom. Um, I have a, a, a problem with, well, me and other people, with some conifer hedges, Leela and I. Um, I want to know legally what the position is with them, whether we can request that um, they be cut down to a certain height or whatever. Can you um, put me right on this? Different local authorities have got different rules, haven't they? And it's something that's local authority controlled, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, you. You have a right to light, don't you? Everyone you have does. a right to light, and so legislation was brought in. It's called the Something Hedging Act, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it was brought in so that ideally you want a hedge of around two meters, no more than that. Mm. Um, but it gave your councils a stronger steer in terms of how they might deal with where to you go might to excess then. height. Mm. So you could approach your council. I would go there first. I would. Just confirm. Oh, I didn't catch that. Go where? Go to your local council. Right. Talk to the tree officer. Right. Um, and he'll if, advise if, you on what you can do. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Okay, then. So that's... I mean, um, these trees are about 20 foot high. Yeah. It, it, I'd say it, we can't tell you what you can definitely cut it to because this law has been passed to the local authorities to actually control conifer hedges and hedges generally and light on the the, the right. right to have light. So <coughs> the only the only place you can go is local authority. Right. Can I just ask you then, um, how how much can they be cut back without them uh, without it? If they if they if they're a lay if they're a layland eye and they're green all the way up, you can yeah. cut the top out down to six foot if you wanted and the green will grow from the top only it's you mustn't cut into green foliage yeah if you cut in if you cut almost towards the trunk it won't respond and grow again from that point uh you can get a call in now we're live free on 0800 111 and we're talking to derek in onga hello derek hello there ken yes about a couple of months ago i purchased uh, a standard Little red robin Virginia. Oh, yep, yep. Uh, in a pot. Now, uh, can as a standard, can it be kept in a pot, or um, does one have to possibly, you know, put it in the ground on its own? Well, you can do either or. Actually, they're actually quite. They're really good in pots, but the pot needs to be at least two, but two foot two by foot two cross. foot. Yep. What? 
across. In... Two foot yeah. across by two foot in depth. Ah, okay, okay. If not, um, it'll dry out too quickly. Ah, right, okay. That's, that's, that's a leading question then. Okay, uh, following on to that, when I, when I got it, as I said, about two, two and a half months ago, um, there was already red on it. Uh, and within two months or so, uh, most of it turned red. Um, now, whether this is uh, new green growth, or it's hard to say whether the the growth that was red is reverting back to green. What what it will you say is the normal thing? It's it's new growth that's green. No, <clears throat> it's the other way around. Red. New growth is always red, but as that red growth matures, the okay. red colour goes to green, ah, and then any right. other new growth will be red. But if you want okay. to get a sort of tightish head on that plant, yeah. just pinching out the side shoots will encourage lots of young red shoots. But they do need a good sized pot and <coughs> plant in a Johnny Knees number three. Absolutely, yes. Very important yeah. indeed. Just going back to, I've got an email here from Eileen in Dunmo. She says, I do a lot of pots and baskets this year, first time. I've been unable to get any vine weevil deterrents. I thought there was still a liquid vine weevil killer on the market by Bayer. No? I think I thought there, there was. Is. I thought there was. Anyway, she's saying she can't find it. She wants to use nematodes. You could still use nematodes, surely, at this time of year, or are we too late? Uh, no, we're in adult stage. Well, we? we ju we've only just come into that, so you might still see them. I would still use nematodes. She's saying she's going to use them in the future, but not now. Uh, and then just a nice note from Eileen. She says we encouraged her to move her... Um, asparagus into containers and grow it in very large pots and she has just finished a great harvest from these great pots so they are good news as well uh going to go back to the phones in june in hoddison hello june hi look i've got a bay tree yeah it's quite old when i say old it's probably 15 years old it's a, a standard like a lollipop what i call a lollipop oh yeah and year after year i don't know whether it's at the right time as last year, but the leaves go yellow and got black spots on them. Now, what I've, I've been feeding it blood, fish and bone, and I have replenished. I've tried to scrape off the top to, to get down a couple of, an inch or so, and I've put some fresh earth on it. What else can I do? Because the leaves, are, it's not becoming a lollipop anymore. It's just a, a couple of twigs. Right. Well, I <clears throat> next time you feed, yep. use a liquid feed. Uh, it's, the, it's quicker to get into and it's easier to apply than the yeah. more powder base feeds. Uh -huh. um, you might also have with the yellowing, have you got any distorted leaves or rolled leaves? No, no, no. There's so, no insects on it. As good. The, uh, so, you've got none. so I think the feeding will work. That will help it. Um, don't let it overly dry out. But then again, don't let it sit in water uh -huh. um, because that creates uh, yellowing on the plant as well. Right. Apart from that... Um, there's not much there's else not I much could probably suggest, really. No. No. What liquid feed would you recommend? Um, I would like... I'd like See, uh, well, we actually, uh, maxi crop with a sequestered iron. So would any iron-based right. feed would be good for the bay iron. tree. Iron-based maxi crop with a seaweed. Yeah, that's the one to use. It's great fun. It is, does work <laughs> well. Quickly, um, from Christine, sent this from an iPad. She says, I have several pots with a variety of plants in them. If I stand them in the garden, should I stand them on saucers or directly on the soil? I have uh, clematis, lilies, agapanthus and others. 
What would you do? Agapanthus, I wouldn't put in the saucer. Uh, I'd let that sort of freely drain out. You might want to raise it a little bit so water does fall out. Lilies don't want to be sat in water either. No. So again, just raise them up so excess water comes. are fine. So they, they, they like that more free-flowing uh, of water. Never, never let them sit in water at all. Right. Uh, June, John from Chelmsford, you've got a call, uh, a question for us, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I have, Ken. Good morning. Um, about 18 months, two years ago, I rang in about my bonsai horse chestnut. Oh, yes. How do you, how's it getting on? Well, the first year, like last year, I sprayed it as uh, suggested, yep. and uh, they still turned brown and they all dropped off. Yes, this is, but, the, this is the mite, isn't it? Well, I don't know. Uh, you know it was to do with uh, something. Well, evidently, all chestnuts tend to go brown. It's a, leaf, it's a weevil, isn't it? Natural state. It's a leaf miner that's specific for horse chestnuts, yes. Well, anyway, this year what I've done is I stood it on a capillary mat and uh, kept it suitably watered. Yep. And it's still green as green can be. You know, right. It's absolutely beautiful. Can I give you a hint, though, that if you see any signs of browning on it, you pick the leaf off straight away... And take yeah. it away and destroy it. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it out the garden or get rid of it out the house, wherever you keep your horse chestnut. Yeah? Yeah. Because it's that in, is the only... greenhouse at the moment. Right. Well, that's what you need to do because that is the only way we're going to eradicate it off a small tree like that, wouldn't you, Tom? You're sort of almost quarantining it, really, in the way you're growing it. So it's not exposed in the same way that your other horse chestnuts are, but they are just starting to turn. Turn. So watch out for that, John. Um, Rebecca in Ingotston. Hello, Rebecca. Oh, hello there, Ken. Um, uh, th thanks for taking my call. Um, th my question actually is about a pineapple broom. Yeah. Which has become very leggy and it's partly dyed. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. The flowers are out now and they smell lovely. But um, I would like to take some cuttings because I think it's going to have to be taken out. And I wanted to, to get your advice about that. Uh, best, best cutting technique to use would be <clears throat> excuse me, semi-ripe stem cuttings. Which you take okay. when? Which you can take as long as you've got some side growths at least seven and a half centimetres, three inches to End four of this inches. month, do you think? Uh, Ju yeah, June, yeah. July, August, yeah. September, you can take those. Yeah. Um, but, but your plant, it, you can minimise it. You can prune it. You can prune it after flowering and thin it out in the hope that it pr produces growth at the base so it can right. actually shrink the plant more. So I'd take the cuttings anyway, but I'd actually do some harder pruning after flowering. And just see, take the dead parts out and just see if it does yep. respond. Absolutely, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful plant. Because it's a lovely plant. It is an incredible plant, absolutely fantastic. Now, just there's a couple of uh, texts I've got. How do we do, what do we do with lupins after they flower? Well, this, I actually Roger. cut the flower spike down. Unless you want to keep the seed and experiment. Yeah, but I cut it down. Yeah, but cut it off at the base myself. Take the whole flower spike out. And uh, <clears throat> is Clematis montana was one in a hundred that did not regrow after cutting, didn't grow after cutting, because we say they don't always, don't we? Anyway, also, <laughs> that's a bad news. Emily from West Mersey has a question. Someone on Gardener's World last night <clears throat> was using sheep's wool pellets on their allotment to stop slugs, which is what we had a call about. We so did, they, and they were having there's, some success, There's they? a couple of things there, so that's quite interesting that we've had a couple of comments on that. And, uh, hi, gents, can you do a quick recap on how to keep pansies going? Didn't know you can. Cut them 
hard back, don't you? Cut them hard back, make, make sure you deadhead whatever's there. Um, pile up some of the soil around the base and it encourages some shooting, uh, some rooting on the lower shoots. And uh, the plant that we were putting on the, the fence was solanum. Now solanum, there's several solanums and that was, uh, uh, I've been asked by Alexander Ford, we were talking about it last week, a solanum, quick growing, gorgeous plant to grow. Glasnevin is a good, good one to use. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. And next week, my guest will be Lucy Chamberlain. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.